where his kingship hasn't fully been manifested. A friend of mine told me a story last week. Let's call her Jody. And uh, Jody uh, and her husband Jesse have three little kids. Her husband Jesse is a contractor, and so kind of he's in work. He does work for himself. He's self-employed, and he takes these contracts and hires crews. And you know how a contractor does things. I don't need to explain that. <laughs> a few years ago. Uh, when Jesse first started doing this job, uh, he started working for himself. He got this large upfront payment for a construction job, and he, was, he needed to use the money, right, to pay the crews and to buy the materials and, you know, run a business uh, with all this money that he got up front. Um, but uh, he wasn't very wise in how he spent the money. I think it sort of overwhelmed him how much money it was. And he was like, ah, this is, we can go out to eat a little bit more. We can probably live high on the hog a little bit. And so... Um, Halfway through the job, Jody, uh, his, his wife, my friend who was telling me this story, she started getting a little worried um, that Jesse was spending a little bit too freely, and so they weren't really keeping enough cash in reserve just in case something unexpected came up. But Jesse brushed aside these concerns. I got this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You, you take care of the kids. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this construction thing. I'm going to be fine. But a few weeks, sure enough, a few weeks away from completing the job, Jesse discovered uh, that something about the job was going to take a lot longer and a lot more money to finish than he anticipated. But he didn't have any money. And so he, he came to this, their family came to this crisis point where they had to go into some debt, and um, it was really, really difficult for them, a huge financial strain on their little family. And Jody felt really, really angry with Jesse that, he didn't listen to her when she had all these concerns. And so this was a few years ago. And so she was telling me she spent the next few years sort of getting on his case and making sure that, that we spent the money wisely and making sure that we know what's, you know, what's happening and making sure. Um, but, of course, what this end, eventually ended up doing for Jesse was made him feel resentful. He said, I feel like I'm being treated like a little kid, that I can't you know, handle these things. And she's like, well, what are we supposed to do? You, obviously can't handle them. And so they, you know, they have these arguments back and forth that just keep going. Uh, and so Jody eventually realized, she said, I, I don't want that kind of relationship with my husband. I don't know if you all can relate. Anybody, anybody married can relate to this a little bit? Anybody who ever had a relationship ever? Um, so, but Jody realized, I don't want this kind of relationship with my husband. And so she just stopped. She said, fine, I won't talk about it. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to try to support. I'm just going to try to I'm just pray that things get better that things are, things are all right. But this worry wouldn't go away for her. She was still so, so worried, but she's just like, I don't, she felt stuck. Like, I, I can try to fix this problem and control the outcome, but I'm damaging my relationship with my husband. Or I can stay quiet and try to maintain the peace of this relationship, but that means I just, this worry just eats away at me. I can't sleep at night. I'm agitated with my kids. What do I do? She feels stuck. And in the midst of this, she's wondering, well, where's God in the midst of this? If God, if Jesus is really Lord over our finances, if something, you know, if God is really with us, if something is really supposed to be happening here, well, then what's going on? We would have more money. That's what would happen if, if or my husband would start making better decisions. That's what would be the, 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 the evidence that Jesus is Lord, that something is happening, that God is with us, that he's present, that he's working. She had an idea of what that would look like, and when the circumstances didn't deliver that idea, she thought, well, where is God? What is God doing in the midst of this? Maybe you can relate. I mean, there's situations in our lives. I tell that story because it's really mundane. You know, it's not, 
It's not a you know big crisis. It's a little thing, and it happens in every day for, for most of us in small ways and big ways. We have the same argument with our spouse every day like clockwork, or every week like clockwork, right? And it's like, oh, when are we going to, what is this? Why are, we doing, why are we running around this thing, right? Maybe we struggle with the same besetting sin over and over. We can't seem to get free from it. Maybe our children are not on the same page when it comes to our faith, and we're not sure what to do about that. Maybe our friends at school aren't very good friends, but it's better than being alone. And so we're stuck between, well, I don't want to be alone, but I don't know what to do with these friends that aren't very good friends for me. And so we pray, God, change this situation. Why aren't you acting? Why don't you give me better friends? Why can't we get over this argument we keep having? Why can't I seem to talk to my kids about faith? And there's situations in our world as well, right? Big issues that are clearly these manifestations of wickedness that greed is destroying our planet right now. And we're quickly moved to a point of, like, we're learning, like, there's a point of no return, and we're getting there, and, and, and this is a justice issue because it disproportionately affects the poor. And we look at this thing and we say, God, where are you? What's happening? What are we supposed to do with this? We see stories about the wealthy actively working to hoard more and more wealth at the expense of the poor. People go bankrupt when they get sick in this country. God, where are you? What's happening? Are, Jesus is Lord? What? How does that work? What is this, how, how does this work? White supremacy, racism are continuing to wreak havoc and trauma daily among minority populations. I saw two videos this week that were just awful. People being traumatized. It's easy to look at these things and wonder, where are you, God? If God was with us, if God was actually working, this is what it would look like. It's not happening, so what's up? These same kinds of frustrations, I think, were present in the text that we read from Acts with the disciples, where even after the resurrection, Jesus has been speaking with them uh, in in the book of Acts. Uh, It says that he spent 40 days uh, speaking with them through the Holy Spirit. I just find that really, really interesting. My, my hunch is Jesus was, his resurrected body was sort of passing between heaven and earth. He would come and he would speak with them to say, hey, I'm here. It's really me. And then he would go into heaven and he'd speak to them through the Holy Spirit. And they'd be like, I think this is Jesus. They were learning, right? They were learning how to follow Jesus without Jesus being with them physically. I think that's what Jesus was teaching them to do. And so uh, he, he comes to them, I think, for this last time here, right before he ascends to heaven permanently. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And their question to him is very revealing. Their question to him is, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They've still got this idea in their head about what this is all leading up to. And they're like, even after the resurrection, they're like, okay, so now? Are we going to make Israel great again? Is that, is that what's going to happen now? Are we going to? They've got this idea in their head about how this is going to look. If God was with us, if our nation was flourishing, this is what it would look like. We're going to kick these pagans out of God's holy city. And we're, going to, we're going to get this right. We're going to restore Israel to dominance, sovereignty. Yes? That's what their expectation was. And so they ask Jesus about this. They're wanting... They're wanting Jesus to take power, make something good happen. If God were to restore the kingdom, this is what it was going to look like. They knew, and they were asking Jesus, when? When is that going to happen? That thing that we know that's going to happen, that you're going to do, when? Is this now? Is now what's going to happen? 
And Jesus answers them, of course, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and then he's taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hides him from sight. Again, some sort of overlap of heaven and earth happens, and it's like the transfiguration, but instead of Jesus coming back to be with them, he goes into heaven. Jesus is telling them, telling his disciples, you're, you're assuming you know what it will look like, and your big question is when. But actually, when is the wrong question, because you're looking for the wrong what. You assume you know what it's going to look like, and you think the question is when. When is the wrong question, because what you're looking for is not going to happen. It's not going to happen the way you expect. God's kingdom isn't going to come in the preconceived ways that you have in your mind that it's going to come. And if you continue to look for it, to manifest itself in those ways, you're going to miss it. Because it is coming. So in some ways, Jesus is telling them, yes, I am going to restore the kingdom to Israel. But here's how. Not by bringing Israel back to national sovereignty, kicking butt and taking names, but by sending out you, my authorized representatives of Israel's king, to proclaim his lordship in the whole world. That's how the kingdom is going to come. So there's two big shifts here. One, the kingdom won't come like you expect. Don't look for this national sovereignty thing to happen. It's not how it works, but it's coming. And the other big shift, so, so get ready to be surprised, in other words. The other big shift is you are going to be part of this. You will receive power. You will bear witness. You are involved in this. It's not something you're just going to watch and see and clap and cheer on from the sidelines. This is something I'm inviting you into. I'm sharing my power with you. That's how the kingdom comes. I'm going to share it with you. And this is power not to tell others what to do. It's not power to control and dominate. It's not power to establish the nation of Israel. It's cruciform power. It's the power of witness. Representatives of Israel's true king proclaiming his lordship to the world, announcing the new state of affairs, but in weakness and in vulnerability and in laying down our lives and allowing the power of the cross to transform in surprising ways. You have no idea how it will transform. So let go of these ideas about how God must be at work. And instead, open your hands and receive the power to bear witness to how he is at work. Because it's almost always surprising. Today we proclaim, friends, this good news that Jesus is Lord right now over the whole cosmos. And he shares and he rules by sharing his power with us, his body, the church authorizing us to bear witness to his lordship in every place where his kingdom hasn't been fully manifested. In our Ephesians reading, Paul picks this up, and he, and he dives into the radical implications of the ascension. He's praying for the Ephesian church, and he says, I, I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you could know him better, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you could see your true situation. That even in the midst of persecution and suffering, you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. That there is hope. That you would be able to see, that you would have a vision of the inheritance that he's given you. So there's a future aspect. And what else? That you would know the power. That's present tense. 
that you would know the power, his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and ascend, he ascended, right? He seated him at uh, his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's the same power. Far above all rule and authority and dominion and power. And Christ, from that place, he places, God places all things under his feet and appoints Christ to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what Paul is saying here is you are connected to Christ, and Christ is with God. You are connected. Every moment of your life, you're connected to Christ, mystically, organically, but really connected. If you're part of his body, you're part of Christ. And so there's power available to us. That's part of what this connection means. The ascension of Jesus means that Jesus is present tense Lord. When we read the Apostles' Creed, did you notice there's, most of it's past tense? Jesus, he, he was crucified, he, was, he died, he was buried, right? And then we get to this one sentence that's present tense. And is, can you go back to the Apostles' Creed, Ella? Right there. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the present tense of the gospel, and then we get into the future. But the present tense of the gospel, this is where we're at in the story. And Paul says, because this is where we're at in the story, that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, and because we are connected mystically to him, that he is forever with us. He fills all things. And Jesus is Lord. He is with us. So mercifully, this is from our collect today as well, Almighty God, whose blessed Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens, so that he might fill all things, mercifully give us faith to perceive. This is the eyes of our heart, that we could see our true situation in the midst of things going wrong in our world, in the midst of things going wrong in our lives, in the midst of the the things that we look at in our lives and we say, what are you doing here, God? Why is this happening? If you were present and at work, this wouldn't be happening. We need eyes to see. Now, there's 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 a truer reality that our lives are hidden with Christ in God, that Christ abides with his church on earth. That's what we're praying for. So Jesus, the human one, takes our suffering and our pain into the presence of God in his ascension. He's the one who has endured all temptation. Everything that we've suffered has been suffered by the body of Jesus, and he takes it into heaven with God. He sanctifies it. And then from that place, he then gives us hope, and power to be witnesses, to bear witness to this reality. That Jesus is Lord over the whole cosmos. And now our eyes then are enlightened that we can see that this is what's most true of us. We see everything through the Lordship of Christ now because our life is actually connected to him. We are seated in heavenly places at God's right hand, Christ's presence fills all things in heaven and earth. Once we can see this, we can take these situations, these things that are so hard for us to grapple with, the things that frustrate us about the world, the situations in our own lives, and we can unclench our fists. We can stop trying so hard to make things different. We can take a few breaths 
And we can let go of our preconceived notions about what God should be doing and receive his power, allowing it to work in us and through us for the blessing of the world. And his power, his kingdom becomes present as we proclaim it. As we start to perceive what he's doing and we give voice to it, we proclaim Jesus is Lord here, Jesus is Lord here, Jesus is Lord here. Here's what I see him doing. I'm going to participate with him. His kingdom becomes present because he's given us that authority. That's what it means to walk in this authority. Friends, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord right now over the whole cosmos. And he rules by sharing his power with us, his body, the church, authorizing us to bear witness to his lordship in every place where the kingdom hasn't fully been manifested. So this is what we do today. We proclaim Jesus' lordship over all things. This is very counter-imperial. If Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. Jesus' ascension doesn't mean he's safely tucked away as secretary of afterlife affairs, and now we get to run the world however we want. No, he's Lord. He's Lord. And we can proclaim that lordship over all other rule and authority and dominion and power. The crucified one has been exalted to the highest place, and thus love has defeated death. Death no longer has the last word. And all empires and powers that operate in the power of death are not ultimate. Their day will come. They don't get the ultimate say over what happens to this world. God does. Jesus is Lord. We proclaim this good news today. Amen? So back to Jody. You guys remember Jody and Jesse? In the midst of her stuckness between feeling angry Angry, angrily trying to control the situation and quietly just feeling worried about it. <laughs> she's stuck there, right? She's, she's, how do I navigate this? And she said she, she found her way into proclaiming the lordship of Christ over her marriage and over her finances. How did she do it? She told me that she did this. She said, I simply named my fears and my anxieties with Jesse as mine. It's not, this is your fault. You need to get better. All I did was I said, honey, I don't want to be like we were, but I'm still worried about this. And I just want you to be with me in this vulnerability, this sense of worry. I don't know what to do about this worry. Will you be with me in this? That simple. She opens up space. Jesse moves towards her and says, oh, honey, I'll be with you in your worry. And they're able to connect. They're able to be together. And then they're able to turn toward their finances and say, all right, let's, let's make a plan. Let's figure this out together. And they're able to kind of move into that space together. Completely changed everything. I know it sounds like a small thing, but a miracle happened in their marriage. This is a miracle. Jesus became Lord over this issue that was nagging them. And the way that Jody opened up space for God's kingdom to come was simply by opening herself up in weakness and vulnerability. Instead of hiding things, hiding her worry from her husband or trying to control things, she just said, here's where I'm at. Will you meet me here? And God met her there, and thankfully so did her husband. I'm learning to recognize this uh, in my own life as well. Um, I'm learning to recognize it in my role as a leader, I think I've inherited a vision of leadership that is, I'm a fixer, I'm an evaluator, I'm a solver of problems. 
Um, but that's not, you know, that's not how I exercise the Lordship of Christ. So how do I exercise the Lordship of Christ? We're going to do some of this tonight at our leadership cookout. Where we're going to name some of the things that we're not sure what to do about. Some leadership situations, things that are going on in our church that we're like, well, what do we do? Just open up space and weakness, vulnerability, and we see what God's going to do. I'm assuming it will be surprising. I don't have an idea of how this will go. So it feels a little risky. But that's what we're committed to uh, doing. I'm also learning to lament. Just going to give, when I talked about these world situations where, you know, it's one thing for Jody and Jesse to feel like, I, I have some agency here. I can, I can come to him and, and talk to him in a certain way. But what do you do about, you know, these, the videos you see of, of, of people being oppressed and uh, the terrible things that are going on where I'm not a policy writer. I can't. What do I do? And one of the things I'm learning to do is lament. Um, I think my first instinct when I see these things is to turn away. It's too painful. I don't want to look at this. My second instinct is we got to do something about this. And I'm not opposed to action being taken in some of these areas. That's oftentimes a wise thing to do. But I'm learning that lament, simply lamenting what is happening, allowing myself to feel the pain of it, trusting that there's something on the other side of that death. There is a resurrection on the other side of that death. That is opening space for the kingdom of God to come in surprising ways. We were visiting friends this weekend, and uh, they talked about, um, they, went to, they went to an aquarium uh, on vacation one time, and they heard, learned about the Great Barrier Reef. And they were saying that the Great Barrier Reef is probably going to be lost. We're going to lose it because of climate change. And the little girl of this family, she's probably about 10, broke down weeping, just started weeping that we were losing the Great Barrier Reef. And I thought, that's the appropriate response. Lament. Lament that we're losing something that we can't get back. So friends, let's respond to this good news today. There's a prayer in your booklet um, that says, Today I proclaim that Jesus is Lord over blank. Whatever that situation is, whatever it is for you where you are tempted to think, nothing good is happening here. Proclaim that Jesus is Lord over that situation and then pray, Father in heaven, enlighten the eyes of my heart to see how you are at work there and give me wisdom and power to bear witness to your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And you lifting up our prayers for the world and those around us. I invite you that when I say Christ, King of glory, you say lift our hearts and minds. Also, I'm going to take periodic pauses, and during those, you are welcome to um, say names of people, whether out loud or in your hearts, that reflect that. Glory to you. Christ our King. You came down to lift us up. You became human that we might share in the divine. Lift our hearts and minds that we may behold your glory and proclaim you as our Savior and King, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord unseen, yet ever near, your presence may we feel. We pray for all whose lives are clouded by deep 
doubt and fear, for all who have lost faith, for all whose vision has become blurred. We pray that your church may proclaim and reveal your presence and glory, that the church may help to lift up the fallen and restore sight to the blind. We pray for those with strong vision and faith that they may, be, may guide us to you. Christ, King of glory, lift our hearts and minds. We pray for all who have been separated from loved ones by war, illness, or circumstances. For those who are searching for loved ones, for all who feel lonely and deserted. We remember those whose lives are clouded by tyranny and oppression. All who are anxious about their future and their loved ones. Christ, King of glory, we give thanks that you are always, that you are with us always. May we be at home with you in our homes. Let our dwellings reflect your glory and love. We pray for our families and neighbors. For all our friends, especially those we seldom see. Christ, King of glory. We remember all who feel brokenhearted or dispirited. All who are down and need someone to uplift them. We pray for all who are chronically ill and all who care for the terminally ill. We remember friends and loved ones in their troubles. Christ, King of glory, lift our hearts and minds. We rejoice that you have ascended into glory and have opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. As you came to lift us out of darkness and into eternal light and out of death into to life eternal, we pray for all who are bereaved and mourn. We pray for loved ones who you have lifted up into your kingdom.
Christ, King of glory, lift our hearts and minds. Sending and blessing. Jesus is King, Lord of heaven and earth, not a fairy tale or a fantasy. It is reality. Go opening up space to receive his kingship. Go proclaiming and witnessing to that kingship in mundane, ordinary, but mighty and world-changing ways. Go out into the world and in your words and lives bear witness to the Christ who has ascended, to be everywhere present. And as you come to know him, may God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. May Christ Jesus lift up his hands and bless you. And may the Spirit open to you all the riches of Christ's inheritance. The blessing of God the Father Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Crown him with many crowns.